You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming up on today's episode, we look back at a rough one on the road in many, plus a look at where the Jets sit in the standings at American Thanksgiving. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. All right, good to be back at it, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the uh, end of November here. And for anybody down south, hope you're enjoying American Thanksgiving, which kicks off a Thursday morning, afternoon-ish, with the first of three games of the NFL. Got to admit, Tyson, CJOB's Tyson Rewicki joining me. I don't I don't like a lot of what America does, but I get I get major Thanksgiving envy this time of the year because if there's one thing the Americans do get right, it's not hockey, it's not soccer, but it's absolutely losing their minds when it comes to doing Thanksgiving upright. Two days, football, food, drinks, all of it, I guess sales too on top of it, but I've I've always always appreciated how they go all in for thanksgiving and essentially make it like a four-day weekend five-day weekend i think i think Kenneth has got to smarten up on that regard we, we, we yeah. gotta pick up the pace a little bit up here yeah totally i mean it's got it's just got a little bit of everything you know you got the football you got the shopping too i mean it just covers it's everyone's got a little bit of something on american thanksgiving and like you said i think that's one of the about the only things that they get right down down south i've always said and it may or may not work schedule-wise, but if the NHL was smart with their scheduling, which they're not 95% of the time, they should open up the year on Canadian Thanksgiving and essentially do what the NFL does, but up here in Canada. And you have like three marquee games, all spaced out, which again, the NHL struggles to comprehend that fact. Um, hockey night in, in Canada last night had all three games at the same time, which is way to go. You nailed that one. But have three games like one after the other after the other. Everybody, you know, gets drunk, <laughs> eats a bunch of food and watches some hockey. Like, I don't know. Why why is that so hard to get down? I, I just don't get it. Maybe yeah, no, it's, it's per. I mean, and you can even do Toronto, Montreal to kick off the day. Let's say Winnipeg, Vancouver, middle game. And then you end it off with the Battle of Alberta. And boom. That's Ooh. that's a great night of hockey. 
That, yeah, that's pretty good. I got to admit, that's that's a pretty good lineup right there. So it's so good it'll never happen, but dare to dream that maybe someday we'll we'll be rewarded with a nice little uh, Canadian Thanksgiving kickoff to the NHL season. Basically, this is my way of trying to push off the fact that we have to talk about the Jets wild game. Um, because I got to be honest, not a whole lot to break down to this one, Tyson. I think Nate Schmidt might have said it best. We played about a good 10 minutes and you're not going to win many hockey games when you only play good for 10 minutes. And I think Nate Schmidt is maybe being a little bit generous because I might go six, seven or eight minutes instead of the whole 10 minutes that the Jets were actually competitive and and played well in that hockey game. For whatever reason, it it happened last year. There was the seven, one game a few, every time the Jets head down to Minnesota, Right in and around American Thanksgiving, it's it's a bloodbath, and it happened again this year. I, I can't even say where did it go wrong. It, it went wrong once the puck was dropped and the Jets stepped onto the ice because right right from the get go, it was clear one team was ready to go, one team was ready to skate hard, play physical, do the easy things that give you a chance in the game, and one team wasn't prepared to do that until about seven or eight minutes to go in the second period. Yeah, and we even saw in that first period, like, the Wild were definitely adopting a let's-get-pucks-on-net mentality and really pushing the pace and really getting bodies in front. I mean, we saw in that first goal, I mean, it's not... You probably would like a little better rebound control from Hellebuck on that one. It's a, it's off, off the shoulder, but a little bit unlucky with Morrissey in front. But even on the power play, like, the Jets were just giving up tons and tons of chances early on. They just weren't able to, to tie people up in front, and it kind of carries over from last game against yeah. Carolina. Carolina too, where in the last end of the game there, they were having troubles tying up bodies in front. And yeah, it's just, I mean, you're going to have these games, and but it's just unfortunate that it comes against a rival like Minnesota. And like you said, it always seems to happen around American Thanksgiving. It just can't seem to get the monkeys off their back in Minnesota right now. Yeah, that was the first thing I wrote down, actually, was inability to tie up in front of the yeah. net. Inability to put a body on a body in front of the net there. You mentioned it on those two goals. And look, it's it's funny, too, because the Jets give up the three at the end of the Carolina game and then the two early against Minnesota there. You made the case they were pretty unlucky with, I mean, four out of the five, maybe all five of those goals. Like some tough bounces certainly went their way. The difference, though, was that Minnesota more than earned their shit. Like, you know, you, you can't complain the Jets were unlucky in this one when they when they were being outshot essentially three to one for the first half of the hockey game. But that was the problem in that game against Carolina. Sure, there were some, you know, maybe lucky goals and bad bounces, but guys in the middle of the ice just kind of free to wave at pucks from the point. Guys, you know, trying to create traffic in front. People trying to get to rebounds there. I thought that would be the number one thing looking to be corrected going into the Minnesota game. Instead, it was, you know, arguably even worse and amplified even further there on those two goals where, you know, just struggling to tie anybody up in front there. And then to, to me, kind of the cardinal sin, the fourth goal of the evening against Minnesota, you know, when the Jets, you know, had a chance to make it a hockey game, 3-1, they start to play a little bit better. Kaprasov gets that fourth goal. If you watch it again, you'll tear your hair out. It, like and Rick, Whatever Rick Bonus has, lettuce-wise, on top of his head, he's going to tear the rest of it out there because you have Minnesota's best player come from behind the net into the freaking slot area right in front of Hellebuck one whack, two whack, three, four, and finally the puck goes in there. And if you watch it, he doesn't even get touched. It's just stick check, stick check, stick check. 
that's where like it's if, if Kaprizov scores there, he should be on his ass the second after the puck goes like at the at the bare minimum. But that that to me was the most concerning thing is that defensively they, they just made it way too easy on, on Minnesota in this one. If you're gonna go to the front of the net and if you're gonna take a, a buttload of penalties, which they did in that game, at least be physical ones like that. Yeah. But it was just way too many stick checks, way, way, way too lackadaisical in terms of their intensity. And and that to me, I think, is what what pisses a lot of Jets fans off and, and what the coaching staff is going to be upset with. Like, look, they're going to lose a decent amount of games over the next 60 or so. But when you basically just give one away and you don't have a lot of, of grit and, and, and effort that that goes along with it, that that to me is unacceptable. Yeah, and, and to add on that, too, we were talking about uh, the Carolina game, too. Teams getting lucky goals. The Wild were generating their luck, though. It wasn't like yeah. the Jets were carrying play throughout the game and, you know, a couple bad bounces went the Wild way and ended in, in a 3-2 game. The Wild were pushing the pace the whole game. They were controlling the play in their in the Jets' zone. And, yeah, some of those goals were lucky, but it's because they're they're generating the chances to be lucky in those ch- in, in that game. And even when the Jets were down 3 nothing before Kyle Connor made it 3-1, he had the empty net there, couldn't pot at home. There was a two-on-one with Wheeler and Perfetti where Wheeler made a nice pass across. One of his only nice passes of the day because there was a, a little bit of a brutal one on that fifth well, goal there. It was there. a nice pass just to the <laughs> wrong team. But yeah, they, they missed that. Gustafson makes a nice save on Perfetti there. But hey, if you put those two in, all of a sudden it's, it's a whole different game. But Wild after that, the Wild kind of just clamped it down and just kept on kept the pace on the Jets. And so we, we're going to need a bit of a response next game from Winnipeg to see what see what the team's kind of made of. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, this was a game too. I think where Nikolai Ehlers helps a, a yeah. ton. They they're just they're they're struggling to create offense consistently right now, and he's a major reason of that. They don't have a lot of guys that can skate the puck into the zone and, and create offense cleanly like that. Like they're just, it's got to be a little more meat and potatoes. It's got to be a little more Minnesota wild in, in all honesty, right? Where it's just straightforward North South. And let's just try to bang home a couple of ugly ones over the next four to six weeks. But, but they certainly miss that creator there. And they're, they're missing a spark inside that top six because they're not getting a whole lot of offense outside of anybody not named, Shifley and Connor right now like they're they're driving the bus and, and rightfully so but you know it, it, it kind of again heightens the question does somebody need to be brought in are there reinforcements that have to come in from outside the organization right now because you're at a damn good spot in terms of the standings but that can whittle away pretty quickly here if if you continue to struggle offensively and if Connor Hellebuck doesn't play at the Vesna level he was earlier on in the season right now it, it just seems like the Jets only answer is is swapping the centers in their top six. We, we've seen that a handful of times this season. It happened in the game against Minnesota. You know, not, I don't, I don't think anything really came of it. There, there wasn't a spark or anything noticeable from it, from, from Shifley and Dubois switching spots there. But if, if that's your answer, you you got to figure something else out soon here. And I, I know, I know you, you made the point earlier on and, and I would, I would agree with you wholeheartedly that, you know, you don't want to make a move out of desperation here, but, the longer you wait, the more desperate you kind of get because teams know you have to make a move. If you drop, say, four out of the next five games, right now you're in a comfortable spot in the Central Division standings. You know, the Sam Gagne experiment, you know, not his fault. He's not that guy anymore. It, it clearly isn't working. 
I, I don't know who else in this lineup they can throw up there and, and expect to give them an offensive pop. And, you know, Wheeler has his shortcomings, age-related mostly, and, and Cole Perfetti as well, age-related as well, just on the other end of the spectrum there. Um, that, that, to me, was kind of maybe one of the big takeaways in this one is that, look, they've found a way to battle through it, and it's been great that they are in the spot they're in right now with Wheeler's playing, you know, 100 or so minutes in the season. But, yeah, they, they, they got to find a way to bring somebody else in because I, I just don't know how else it's going to happen. How, how else are they going to contribute offense consistently night to night to night if they don't have somebody capable to, to fill in one of those spots on the wing of the top six? Yeah, and, and we're seeing just these past couple of days, there is starting to be some some player movement going around the league. Like we saw Toronto make a move for a D-man on, with their injuries, and, you know, that's kind of what you have to do. You, you Getting Connor Timmons, I mean, Connor Timmons, he's – He's had his struggles in in Arizona. I mean, he was somewhat highly touted coming into the into the league, but hey, you got you got to do something, right? And that's well, kinda- and a great example. That's a great example. Another one we saw last night in the game. Sam Steele gets yeah. a chance. Not only this Sam Steele, you, you pick up a guy that was a former high pick who had a lot of potential in Anaheim, didn't work out. He gets plucked, and then what happens? He's centering freaking Caprizov and Jim Carrello, right? And he played pretty good between those two. So, like, it doesn't have to be trade Billy Hanela for a first-line winger, right? Like, I'm not saying just empty the coffers and and lose your mind here, but there's got to be someone. And the waiver wire is a great place to find that. You know, giving up a late round pick for somebody is a great way to do that as well. I just feel like there there needs to be a bit of a spark here. While, while the vibes are good, while the team's in a good spot here, like be aggressive and, and find somebody to give this team a bit of a boost right now because I think they need it, especially up front. Um, one thing I do want to mention before we switch gears here, just quickly, by far the best line of the night, and I think by far the best Jet player on the night. Do you want to make a guess on this one? Mikey Asamont. Okay, well, Mikey Asamont's a beauty. He's, he's always my number one. He was, but he was great too. Uh, but for me, it was David Gustafson. Yeah, he's just the Gus. The wheels on the Gus bus are just going round and round. And you know, he's not he's not going to use uh, you know take away Adam Lowry's third line center spot anytime soon. But man, give the kid more minutes. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not that he's pl- not playing a lot, but he's just he's so so solid and so steady. And he's just a bull out there. And I, I love watching him play. And, you know, he's – I don't think there's going to be too many games this season where he's not reaching double digits. And and it's nice, at least, that the kid's earning his spot. Like, he's 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 been one of their better forwards over the last couple of weeks, no doubt about it. Totally. Um, we're going to switch gears here because, of course, American Thanksgiving means a very important milestone in the NHL season. So we'll take a look at where the Jets are, what that means, and – who are the teams in and out of the dance right now that, you know, need to either worry or, or get their acting gear sometime soon? So we'll touch on all of that in just a sec. But quickly before we do that, let's give a shout out to our friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, where you can light the lamp this winter betting five bucks pregame money line on any NHL team to win. And you get 150 in free bets if they do. We mentioned, by the way, last episode, the Flyers were taking on Washington. Ben Washington, well, if you listen, you got yourself 150 bucks. <laughs> Don't know who's next on the Flyers schedule. Isn't it Pittsburgh? Yeah, Pittsburgh. No, there you go. I, it, it pays me to say it. But if you want to make some free money, Pittsburgh over the Flyers money line, just take advantage of that. Thank us later uh, when you get the moolah to uh, – have yourself a nice little treat maybe for Black Friday. 
but you could also combine multiple bets on same game parlays for a chance at an even bigger payout headed into the holiday season. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for more details. All right. American Tea Giving. The spot where, according to Elliot Friedman, I'm assuming the numbers are relatively the same, but roughly 80% of the teams in the NHL above the playoff line at American Thanksgiving end up making the postseason. So if there are 16 teams that make the big dance, do you want to do your math there quickly, Tyson, or should we just kind of guesstimate it here? 20% miss, one in five. You're looking at roughly three teams that will, three or four teams that will fall out of the playoff line and 12 or so teams that ultimately do end up making it. So, I mean, for the Winnipeg Jets, they find themselves in some pretty comfortable positioning and they're not all that close to the playoff line either three points up as we speak right now with some games in hand on st louis minnesota nashville i saw the athletic they have kind of their daily predictions or projections i should say uh projections of playoff probabilities and things like that and the winnipeg jets as of right now 64 percent to make the postseason projected to finish with 93 94 points I think that's fair. Does that, that does that seem reasonable? Somewhere in that range for the Jets, where not a playoff lock at this point, but I think more surprised that they wouldn't make it than if they do make it right now. Yeah, no, I I would be kind of surprised if the Jets miss the playoffs right now, especially since I do believe that they're going to be making some additions soon. So I would be a little surprised if the Jets do end up missing. So let's take a look at the standings right now, and. I mean, some surprises, some not surprises. Colorado being near the top of the division was pretty much a guarantee by everybody so far going into the year, although they haven't yet hit high gear just yet. Um, I don't know if it's the biggest surprise, but Dallas playing as well as they have right now have pretty much booked their ticket to the postseason, right? 27 points through 20 games. This is where, you know, you can't. You can't necessarily make or miss the playoffs through 20 games, but you can do yourselves a lot of favors along the way, and the Dallas Stars have certainly done that. I don't, I don't think they'll win the division, but to me, they, they've at the very least booked themselves a wild card spot. So you have, let's just say, Dallas-Colorado as kind of shoe-ins to make it out of the Central right now. I think Vegas is probably the only shoe-in out there in the Pacific where it's a lot of disappointing teams. And Vegas and Seattle, the two newest clubs that are playing the best hockey in that division right now. We'll get to the Kraken in just a sec. But Vegas, with 33 points, I think has all but cemented themselves a spot in the postseason. So that's three teams that are are comfortably into the dance here. And then you have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight teams, all within three points of the Winnipeg Jets there. So, So that's where things do become a little congested. But it's also the value of Winnipeg's hot start, Tyson. Because three points doesn't sound like a lot. It's freaking tough to make up that ground as the season goes along, right? The Jets don't have to play 650 hockey the rest of the way. You know, something a little bit below that should comfortably get them in there. Um, But I guess first, before we look at some of the other teams, 
What do we make of the Winnipeg Jets? 11-6-1 start to the season so far at American Thanksgiving. Would you, would you say better than expected, as expected, negatives, positives? What do you make? I'd definitely say it's a little bit better than expected. I think a lot of people were still a little bit worried coming into the season just based on how last season ended and how, you know, there wasn't a lot of player movement, players brought in to, to bolster the team. But, you know, the Jets have shown that with Rick Bonus that they are playing some more, or, more organized hockey for the most part. Uh, I think that the Jets... The Jets have been exceeding expectations. You've seen Mark Scheifele take a step back forward from his season last year. Morrissey's been better. Lowry's been better. A lot of guys have been better than last year, and it's that's part of the reason why the Jets have exceeded expectations so far, and especially Connor Hellebuck as well. Yeah, yeah. Helly being um, the Vesna frontrunner, arguably, or right there with Sorokin, that that does kind of give you a bit of a boost to an 11-6-1 start. I, I would agree with better than expected. Um, I might even say a lot better than expected, to be honest. Uh, I, I was, I mean, you picked them to squeak in. I picked them to just miss. So I wasn't as optimistic about their chances this year. But to me, the reason for optimism is, I think the biggest reason to be confident about this team is the fact that Rick Bonus has gotten the group to do a 180. You know, the, the Minnesota loss was the first time this year where they where they played like utter crap. With Rick Bonus behind the bench, we'll we'll forget about the Vegas game happening. But Bones wasn't under the, uh, you know, behind the bench for that one. Um, but th- but this was kind of the one game where it was like, this reminds me a lot of last year. I think for the most part, people recognize that this just looks and feels like a different team, and and that goes a long way, I think, to getting this club back to the level that they want to be at. And so Rick Bonus being a leading contender for the Jack Adams, I think gives a lot of reason for optimism heading into the second quarter of the NHL season. I think the other one, I mean, there's two other main ones for me. Hellebuck being great is just kind of like an obvious one. But the fact that Mark Scheifele's rejuvenated, he's a completely different player. He had an unbelievable shift in that Minnesota game, by the way, where he back-checked, tracked hard on a guy off the puck, dangled, set somebody. Like, that, that was the peak. That, that's Mark Scheifele at his best there. That was a top 10 offensive player in the NHL during that one specific shift. And we've seen that guy more often than not this season. So that's been great. And then the emergence of Josh Morrissey, you know, as Josh Morrissey. <laughs> we we kind of joke about it, but like he's played, he's played. He, I mean, if you were voting for the Norris right now, he'd pick up a lot of top 10 votes. Like he's been one of the better defensemen in the NHL this season. And we saw him take a bit of a step last year, and he's taken even a further step this year. And so, at the very least, the Jets' best players are playing like their best players. And they're going to get Nikolai Ehlers, hopefully, back at some point You know, before the calendar flips to the new year here. That's a big addition, but you would hope that maybe one or two new faces are brought in here to supplement what looks to be a decent core right now. And that's kind of the best thing for for any hockey club is when your best players are playing like your best players and they're kind of at the elite of their position, they're going to give you a chance night in, night out. And, and so there's been a lot of positive developments for this team, mainly being that the drivers are driving the bus right now. Yeah, and this is this is a big season too because a lot of those big guys, are co- contracts are coming up too. So it's good to see that they're sticking with this team, sticking with this culture that Rick Bonus has been building. And hey, like coming into the season, we thought that Mark Scheifele might not be back. We thought Pierre Luc Dubois might not be back. Now it's starting to 
turn like, hey, maybe Shifley's kind of taken on like the leadership role as the Jets, and he wants to kind of cement himself as the face of a franchise. It's it'll be interesting these coming this coming playoff run how it affects the Jets' chances of keeping those key guys. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we t- we talked about jersey retirements the other day, and if that's if that's on Mark Shifley's mind, then. If he plays like this, I don't think fans will mind giving, even if he's going to be 30 years old, a six, seven-year deal. Uh, lock that guy up long-term. If he's going to play like that, then yeah, no no problems whatsoever if stayed in Winnipeg for the long-term. Um, things I think that need to be improved on, I mean, there's the little things like, you know, like we mentioned, the Jets work in front of their net in terms of being a little more physical and assertive. And there's other things I think they need to tinker with at, at, at each end of the ice. Um, but to me, maybe the most concerning, and this is even with the Nikolai Ehlers or somebody else coming in here, is that the lack of secondary support is is pretty dry right now. I don't I don't know realistically how much more this club can get out of Blake Wheeler. You know, he's 35, whatever, mid 30, mid to late 30s at this point. He kind of is what he is. I, I don't I don't know if we're gonna see a, a massive, a massive leap in terms of him overcoming his five on five woes. I think he's just going to be a guy that, you know, can still pass a puck as good as anybody in the league can run a power play, a second power play unit, but he's going to be a liability in a lot of other spots. So, I mean, that that's concerning where if you could find somebody to kind of leapfrog him in the lineup, he'd be a lot more effective further down there. And, and, and Cole Perfetti as well. I think, you know, he hasn't been bad, I would say, but hasn't, yeah, yeah. I mean, we haven't seen any dominant games out of him, really. Just just flashes here and there. I think it's, if anything, more of just a reminder that, you know what? Even if they're talented, you put a 20-year-old kid in the lineup in the NHL, it's it's not always rosy. There, there's going to be bumps along the way. And, you know, nine points through 18 games is is just fine. But, boy, it would really help this club out a lot if, if Cole Perfetti at some point over the next handful of games could take a big step, you know, kind of adjust to the pace and the physicality of the NHL level and give this team a much needed boost on that second line. Yeah. And I think you said it perfectly there and adjusting to the physicality of the league, because, you know, he's clearly, he's not the biggest guy right now and he's still got a lot of, he still has to fill out. He's, he's kind of, you can tell he's kind of got a stocky frame, but he's just not stocky yet in a way. Yeah. like, there's, there's times where he does get, where he gets pushed around pretty easily, but that's going to come and you can tell this, the skill that he has is there. And that is one of the more important things in the league going forward now. So once he does adjust, I think we're going to see maybe the last 20 games of the year, last 30 games of the year, maybe he starts to put up like at a 0.75 point per game pace. And all of a sudden his numbers start to look a little bit better there. Now let's take a look at some of the teams in and around Winnipeg. Um, You know, if we assume Dallas, Colorado in some order are one, two, you know, it's going to be a bit of a battle for the Jets for that three spot one in the central division or potentially for one of the wildcard spots. I, I would say looking at this agree or disagree Tyson and maybe it's recency bias, but it, it sure as hell was recent. It's hard pressed to think Minnesota doesn't make the playoffs in, in, in some, in some spots somewhere. I mean, you look at some of the teams in and around there. They're one of the only ones that don't have a negative goal differential for one, and they've gotten poor goaltending basically all season long. But they've got a pretty decent track record, you know, two seasons in a row of being a 100-plus point team here. You know, I think Minnesota is going to find themselves. That's the, that's the one team that's in that mix 
of clubs in and around 20 points that I feel confident in that they're going to be they're going to be headed to the postseason in, in some way or another. Yeah, no, and it's crazy to look at. I think the Blues are holding out a wild card spot right now. I don't know what to make of the Blues. That, that maybe that was my roundabout way. Like, if, if you've got an idea, would love to hear it. I have absolutely no clue what the Blues are this year. It's crazy that, that they might be the streakiest team in the NHL right now. It's they look they looked awesome to start the year. Then all of a sudden, it's like this team looks terrible, and Craig Berube might get fired. And then they rip off five wins in a row, and they're back in the playoff hunt. They're like. What is, what is, what's going on with this team? And then they <laughs> yeah. lose to Buffalo 6-2. <laughs> yeah, they get absolutely destroyed by Buffalo. And yeah, like the Oilers, I do think the Oilers are another team that could that are one of the more likely teams to make it out of those 20-point teams right now. I think Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl are just they're just too good. They're too good compared to the rest of the league and I think as the season goes on there's going to be some some things that uh that taper off for clubs in the other and like Nashville. I don't think Nashville is I, I I picked Nashville to finish in the top three in the central this year. And I'm and I'm not feeling too confident about that pick right now. I just there's just something about that team. They're almost they're just very average. Yeah, I think we whiffed on that one. <laughs> I'm gonna cut my I'm gonna cut my losses early and say we whipped on Nashville. But on like looking at the other teams, so like you know, for me, Minnesota gets in somewhere, but almost even more so than Winnipeg's at times strong play to start the year. The reason for the most, the most level of optimism for the jets making the playoffs is I don't, I don't really trust a lot of the teams that are below the line right now. Yeah. And, and even Seattle that's above it. Like I, I don't, if you ask me right now, like water gun to my head, I, I don't think I pick Seattle to make the postseason. despite like, to me, they're kind of like Anaheim last year where the Ducks yeah. were leading the, the division at the halfway point, I think, and then they end up picking in, in the top 10 of the draft. I'm just, I'm not buying in on Seattle just yet, especially with Martin Jones <laughs> leading the way between the pipes, like something's going <laughs> to drop there. But there's just not a lot of inspiring hockey that the Jets have to worry about in the teams that are behind them right now. So I think that is, in a weird way, one of the biggest pluses about where the Jets are right now is they've built a bit of a cushion on teams that, you know, I don't think you necessarily are wet in your pants in the middle of the night looking at them. Uh, you know, I, I would agree that I think, you know, Calgary and Edmonton should find their way back into it. I mean, the fact that Edmonton's 10 and 10 right now with Jack Campbell, a save percentage that, that wouldn't even get you honor rolls. <laughs> like, I think that's, pre- that's a pretty impressive record. And, you know, for all of Campbell's warts, there there's always a 20-game stretch during a season where he plays lights out. It's just the Oilers have kind of gotten the crappy Jack Campbell early on in the year. So I I, I think Edmonton ultimately finds their way. And I, I would say Calgary, too, ultimately finds their way as well. I think I think it'll be a battle for those, those last few playoff spots between L.A., Seattle, and St. Louis. I think I trust the Kings the most out of that group. Yeah. But there's a lot of flaws in, in those three teams there. And and maybe the most positive thing for the Jets is there's a lot of question marks in net with all three of those teams right now. Winnipeg doesn't have that issue. So if you're if you're looking at, you know, if you're concerned at the Winnipeg Jets falling out of the playoff race, something like that, if it's Seattle, LA, and St. Louis that are the teams maybe most likely to push the Jets out of a postseason spot, I sure as hell like Winnipeg's chances a lot more than those three teams. And I would say that if they were level on points, the fact that the Jets have three points up on 
you know, two of those clubs and are right there with Seattle. I I feel pretty good that the Jets ultimately do find themselves, I guess, being buyers at the trade deadline as opposed to being sellers. Maybe that's the best way to put it as opposed to saying they're going to get into the dance or not. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. And it's going to be a great couple months of hockey coming up for sure. It's, the playoff push is always just a great thing to watch. Indeed it is, Tyson. Indeed it is. Now, quickly out in the East, I got to say the biggest surprise, people will say New Jersey. I mean, we both picked New Jersey to make the playoffs. I thought they'd be a good team. To me, the biggest surprise is, even though I called it, which I, you know, pat myself on the back, Ottawa is dead freaking last right now. Like, I thought they would, I didn't think they would challenge for a playoff spot necessarily, but I didn't think they'd be, in the Connor Bedard sweepstakes. This, this this is crazy that Ottawa finds themselves dead last right now. Detroit, who we both picked to make the playoffs, kind of comfortable spot, but the East is a bloodbath. Thank God, thank God Winnipeg didn't get sorted out East because right now with 23 points, the Winnipeg Jets would find themselves tied for the final playoff spot in that conference and maybe on the outside looking in. Any Anything sent out to you in the East so far through 20-ish games? Well, definitely, I agree with you on Ottawa, but I, I mean, we both were a little bit concerned about their defense and goaltending coming into the year, and clearly that's shown that that is a very big problem that needs to be addressed down in our nation's capital. I mean, Shabbat can only do so much, right? And Anton Forsberg was carrying too much of a load, of a load earlier on the season. I, I love Detroit's start to the season, too. I mean, Tampa's nipping on their heels right now, so we'll see how long they can hold that down. Kind of Pittsburgh. I honestly thought Pittsburgh was going to come in this season and be a little more of that vet, almost that Washington Capitals of the past two years, where they're that veteran team where you think they're done, but they kind of just keep on grinding it out and just being a vet, very vet team. So I'm a little bit surprised by their start. And honestly, the Islanders, too. I didn't think the Islanders would be that this good to start the season, but I mean, Ilya Sorokin has just yeah. been absolutely phenomenal. So 49 save shutout last night. Like, that's crazy. Oh, is that good? it's <laughs> pretty good 934 is that good <laughs> he's he's played so good it, he may be the best russian goalie in the league yeah. Sturkin won the best, like he had the season for the ages last year yeah I, yeah i mean the islanders are are kind of similar to the jets in a way too right like you know people say oh it's if, if not for sorokin if not for hellebuck you don't make it well too bad <laughs> cry more that's kind of my response like, cry more like just because they have people don't penalize edmonton because they have mcdavid like you know what i mean right it's like edmonton will get in because of mcdavid and it's fine well why can't the same thing be true for for hellebuck and, and sorokin with their respective teams so you know i not as impressed with new york's roster as a whole but i don't see why sorokin won't be able to keep this up here um but the other kind of surprise, I guess, would be Florida. I, not even that Paul Maurice has done a bad job there. They've had injuries and everything like that. But <laughs> is their window closed? Like it's cra- like their 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 ceiling seems to be wild card team right now, and they've completely mortgaged their future. And they're they're no doubt about it. A level below, I would say, Boston, Tampa Bay, and Toronto right now, and they probably find themselves in the same spot of uh, Detroit. A Pittsburgh, you know, a, a good team, but I don't think a great team right now. I, I don't know the way out for Florida right now because they don't have cap space. They got to ship guys out to bring a Duclair in potentially. Um, 
but they don't really have assets to go out there and improve themselves. And hey, great, you got Matthew Kachuk, who's outstanding, but you sure as hell hurt the rest of your roster in a pretty big way. And I do wonder if Florida is going to be on the outside looking in, even though they do, they did receive the best player in the trade there. Um, I got to run here, Tice. So we're going to cap off the episode here. Um, and yeah, let's let's have ourselves a weekend. Let's have ourselves some fun here to close out the month of November. Um, anything else, NHL? It, it looks like you want to say something about the East quickly. Oh no, I'm 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 all good. I know you got to take off, so we'll we'll save it for another episode. Ah, teaser. I do like that. <laughs> Perfect. Well, that sets us up then, because maybe when we get back to it next week, Tyson will unveil what he's got on his mind when it comes to the Eastern Conference there. Uh, but we'll have a busy schedule when we get back at it next week. It'll be Tuesday morning and a couple of games to break down for the Jets. One difficult, one not so difficult, hopefully, but a pair of road games, one in Dallas Friday and then a Sunday evening matchup against the Chicago Blackhawks before they take on the Colorado Avalanche on Tuesday. So we'll break down all of that and any other potential moves, news and notes from the Winnipeg Jets that take place over the weekend. Until then, though. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of Skates and Plates right here on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki, with CJOB's Tyson Rewicki. Enjoy your weekend. Stay safe and have a great time, everybody. Peace.